Welcome to MLB Extras, the Seattle Mariners edition. I am Allison Footer, and I am here with Greg Johns. And Greg, I think a week ago I made a little joke at the end of our conversation uh, about a particular Mariners player who might be the only one on the team the next time we talk. And, <laughs> well, it was a slight exaggeration, but not that far off the mark. So we, uh, the Mariners have obviously been in the news, dominated the news cycle for the past few days. Um, Huge deal that finally went through uh, sending Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz to the Mets. So I think I'm just going to open the floor to you and tell me about the players they got back and where this sets them for when they realistically hope to be competitive again. Yeah. I I call it manic Monday when, uh, when DePoto pulled off the the two, he'd been working on these moves, but he traded three, three all-stars. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and all made Allison to get, as we talked last week, to try to get younger and, and really more flexible. They're taking that step back to try to gather forces for 2020, 2021, get, get young guys uh, that, that can peak uh, and really hit their stride at that in that time frame. And it's a, definitely a, an interesting plan. And one thing we've learned about Jerry is when he has a plan, he is uh, not hesitant to, to pull the trigger and make the moves to, to make it happen. So now the fascinating part will be to see how all these pieces come together. Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about this in the past. I think we touched on this the last time we, we had a conversation just about the fact that they won 89 games um, in 2018, uh, but a really soft 89 wins. First of all, they were on pace for 100 for much of the season, um, and then the bottom kind of fell, fell out. Also, um, almost no run differential, <laughs> which is not a good indication. I remember the first three months of the season, um, I would do my weekly power rankings, and we have a little voting body of like five or six uh, reporters, and and then and then we and I would do the rankings every Monday, and the and the Mariners were never as high as, of course, a lot of Mariners fans thought they should be. Um, and I think the thinking behind that was that the run differential that everyone said this is eventually going to even out, like they're not going to be able to keep winning all these games by one and two runs, and uh, and that's and we did kind of see that happen. So I guess from a big picture standpoint, front office looked at the season and said. We're probably not going to be, and I'm putting words in their mouth, so correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at the other teams in the division and where they are right now, like we're not going to be able to compete. So why don't we try to put together a competitive team when some of the other teams might, their window might be closing a little bit. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah, And I, and I think it's not that they couldn't compete. I think that realistically they looked at it and said, you know, we can probably compete for that second wildcard spot. We can be in the running for that. We're, we're a long way from from being Houston, New York, Boston, uh, uh, and even the A's went shooting past them with a very young club last year. They they finished eight games behind the A's, even though they won eighty nine games. It was one of the six best record in Mariners history, and still eight games out of the uh, second wild card spot. So, uh, and, and yeah, realistically, I think you talk about the run differential. That's that is definitely one part of it. They, they had a negative 34 run differential with a team that was 16 games over 500. It's it's almost impossible to do. Uh, you know, for example, the Angels were two games under 500 and had a minus one run differential. Uh, the A's that they were chasing had a plus 139 run differential. The Astros plus 163. I mean, these are the the Mariners lived on on winning close games. They were 14 and 0 in uh, I believe it was 14 and 0 in extra inning games. I mean, these are things that are tough tough to repeat and 
that's part of it. You can say, hey, we're, we're going to try to – a lot of – Edwin Diaz was really good. They won a lot of close games because they had a hammer closer at the end. Maybe we can keep doing this. But the other part of that equation, Allison, is is the core group that they had built around was aging and getting all I mean, and expensive. You know, Cano was is 36 years old and, and still all that money. And, uh, Felix Hernandez, you know, another year at 27 million. Nelson Cruz, 38 years old. Uh, Kyle Seeger now into his 30s. Uh, they they just said we can't. We can try. We could go. Hey, let's do this another year. Let's keep just add what we can, throw what we can, see if we can elevate to that second wild card. Maybe what can we do to get there? But where are we going to be there if we trade off the the premium prospects we still have or commit more long term money to to an aging you know 30 plus free agent type guy? Where is that going to get us? And where are we going to be at that point to try to get that? second wild card spot next year they felt you know right or wrong this was their their thought and their process that they're carrying out now is that that's a, a really tough shot to thread the needle to to do that one year maybe this is time to rip the band-aid off use the assets we have now to try to get younger get flexible and really make a realistic push for for long-term success more than just that one shot next year to maybe we get that second wild card. And that's really what this is all about is them trying to take a, a more realistic approach and, and just go uh, for a longer term, long success and maximize the odds maybe down the road of being more successful for, for a longer stretch. Yeah. Let me just uh, put in my two cents here. You know, these names, when you make a big trade and you call it a blockbuster or whatever, then the people in the trade tend to, we tend to romanticize it a little bit. Um, based on what they've done. And I would just like to say, as somebody who is an outsider, who has no rooting interest in the Seattle Mariners, except that I find them to be a very nice team to cover, um, Robinson Cano, I don't find this to be a huge loss. I don't think this is like some, you know, big message to the Mets fans. Like, okay, we're going for it. You know, you're here. We're going for it. Now, Edwin Diaz, that is, uh, you know, a, a highly successful pitcher, a game changer, um, somebody that you can put in the back end of your bullpen, um, huge value. But in terms of Robinson Cano, um, at 36 years old, who served a PED suspension and, and I don't understand, and I'm going to get off on a tangent here, but let's just do it. I don't understand the writers that are saying that how foolish it is for us to assume that because he, um, because he served a suspension for PEDs that we don't know exactly what he's going to be as a clean player. And I think the whole gist of this whole thing is that we don't know what he's going to be as a presumed clean player, assuming that he's going to not be uh, taking any more PEDs. Um, and so in those, in those terms, I don't think this is a huge loss really for the Mariners on the Cano side. Yeah. I guess save some money too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more about the money. I, I, I don't think there's any question that, you know, they would have liked to have Cano in their lineup. I mean, he can still hit and uh, you know, they're going to have trouble replacing that bat uh, next year. Uh, and Nelson Cruz, that's two pretty big punches out of the middle of that lineup. Uh, but th- there's a point, and I, I can say this as a reporter, Allison, it's, it is hard to cover guys who come to the end of their career. You know, we're going through it with, with Felix right now, guys that, you know, are once proud and just, it's just not working anymore. It gets difficult. Uh, and Robinson's not to that point yet, and I, I suspect he'll have a, a couple good years with the Mets. I don't know that he'll be a, an all-star superstar still, but I think he can be productive. Uh, but he is starting to slow down in the field and his range when he's healthy is still okay. Uh, when he's not, when he gets the sore lower legs, which he's had a couple times, he's, he becomes, uh, I want to say a liability at second base because he's a pretty good second baseman when healthy. 
But when he's not, it's he's not the same guy. Uh, D. Gordon was clearly a better second baseman. Uh, Diaz not doesn't have the bat, but but he's a better second baseman. They were very good when D was playing second base. So, uh, is it a big loss? Well, I think it is short term. It's definitely a loss. Um, but I agree with you that the the big cruncher in this was giving up Edwin Diaz, uh, who was as good a closer as I've ever seen last year, and and really was a, a difference maker for them. Um, you know, Cano uh, was a, was a factor, but their record was the same. Uh, virtually the same with Robinson Cano and without him last year. And uh, if you took uh, Edwin Diaz out of there, their record would have been dramatically different. So that was a tough piece. And the reason that they were, uh, they gave up Edwin was to get some really promising young uh, people back in, in Jared Kalnick and Justin Dunn two uh, two top uh, first round draft picks in the last three years. And, and Kalnick, uh, one of the one of, one of they believe is a, a, a potential superstar down the road with a huge upside and, and Justin Dunn, a, a quality starter that they they loved uh, and wanted to draft uh, two years ago when he was coming out. So both those guys is, is really what this dr- uh, trade is about for the Mariners. Uh, I was recently on the Japan All Star Tour with the Major League All Stars, and of course, Ms. Mitch Haniger was a part of that team, and I I spoke with him briefly about. Um, his excitement to actually make a return trip there for the the regular season opening games that are set to take place in Japan between the A's and the Mariners. Um, little, yeah, this is interesting timing. I can't imagine that there's a lot of people that are this happy that the Mariners are going to, the roster is going to look as it does uh, when they go to Japan. They're going to really need Ichiro to hop on that roster, I think. Um, but that brings me, that's my long my long introduction to what about Mitch Haniger? Is he still going to be on this team come uh, spring training? I I think he I think he definitely is. Uh, of course, I thought Edwin Diaz was also. So I'm not going right. to. I'm not going. I'm not going to bet my house on any of these things when when Jerry's rolling. But uh, he definitely seems to be a guy they they want to keep as as part of that group. He's uh, he still has four years of team control. He's a a guy uh, yeah, that that's really on the rise in his career that they feel is a, a big part of what they want to do taking going forward. Uh, I think he and Marco Gonzalez who Another guy that people say maybe they could move. I think I think they keep on to hang on to those guys, build with them. I, I think they uh, they they expect those guys to be part of that wave uh, that that is there in two years and still be huge parts of that. So I, I think they love what Mitch brings them, and he's still a low salary guy with the with a lot of years of team control, which is is what they're looking for. And they did give up Diaz, who's in that same boat. The closer's a little different though, Allison. I mean, a closer on a on a team that's not going anywhere isn't going to be worth much next year uh this is his obvious peak value if you want to trade him when he's high and things can happen i'm certainly not going to uh you know predict any doom and gloom for edwin but it is closers are not guys that last forever unless you're mariano rivera uh it's an up and down career it's it's uh, you know arm injuries are, are are certainly possible i think it's a reason they moved edwin now and didn't wait for the trade deadline because you have a huge asset now that May or may not be a huge asset in, in July, uh, depending on his health. But uh, uh, Hanniger, I think a position player that, that's really on the rise. I think they definitely want to hang on to him, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll see if that holds true. That'll be that's my bet today is that he's uh, still on the Mariners. I expect him to be around for a long time. <laughs> well, just so you know, they sell fifty packs of those "Hello, my name is" name tags at Office Max. They're like two dollars. <laughs> you might want to stop by and get some on your way to spring training. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, the, the great thing, Allison, as a reporter, and, and, and if, if just my own life, 
there's countless, there's so many stories to tell when you cover the Seattle Mariners. There's always new guys to write about, trades to write about. It's fascinating as, as a journalist to cover this team, I'll say that. And I think it's probably hard as a fan to ride the, the you know, you get behind a guy and then he's not here. Uh, and I certainly understand and respect that. But uh, as a journalist, uh, boy, you've always got something to write about with, with the Mariners. And that's pretty fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a very interesting year for you, which is good. I'm happy for you, Greg. Um, So enjoy the winter meetings and uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into MLB Extras, the Seattle Mariners edition. And we'll catch up with you after the winter meetings. Thank you. 